The following podcast is a Bostic Media production. This episode is brought to you by Yum Earth. Yum Earth Candy was founded by two young dads who were determined to bring something sweet and simple into the world. The candy is Lauren and I's favorite candy. Yes, favorite. Yum Earth is fully aware that they won't be replacing your daily serving of fruits and vegetables, or hopefully not. But if you have a sweet tooth, this stuff is definitely the better option. All of their candy is certified non-GMO and organic. I need to warn you guys, though, all of their candy is hard to put down. If I have a bag of their watermelon and lemon sour twist in front of me, I have a hard time not eating the whole bag. Honestly, I've been going through a lot of bags. Um, a lot of confessions happening here. Big fan of the peach licorice as well for you licorice fans. I have a few bags in my office drawer. i got to keep my, my employees from stealing them. Deep confessions happening here. They're so good. So check them out. We love this brand and love their products. Learn more at www.yumearth.com. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. Today we have Kara Allwill from The Champagne Diet on the show. On this episode, we'll be talking about creating your own future, abundance mindsets versus scarcity mindsets, how to write a book, experience stretching, and how to enjoy the journey more than the destination. Okay, guys. So for those of you who don't know us and are unfamiliar with the show, I am Lauren Everett. My blog is called The Skinny Confidential. It's a book, a brand, a podcast, obviously, and a YouTube channel. The book's available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And I have my lovely husband on the other side of me. Yes. I'm Michael Bostick. I'm an entrepreneur and business owner. I have developed and helped to develop multiple brands over the last 10 years. I thrive on operating businesses and helping other businesses grow. Cute. Okay. So what's going on? I don't know if that's ever been described as cute, but... Well, it is. You said it cute. Um, the holidays are killing me softly. <laughs> Remember when you were a kid and the holidays were like this big, exciting thing and you just like got to sit back and everybody else did everything. You didn't have a lot to worry about. I miss those days. Um, that's not what's happening right now. So the holidays are probably my busiest time of year um, to close out. Everything is just like nuts and there's a lot of collaborations happening and giveaways and we had the meetup, just a lot going on. No, it's just, it, it, like I said, when you're a kid, you just have to sit back. But now it's like everything's so busy. You're closing out the year. You're talking about taxes. You're talking about your end stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a whole mess. And let's be honest. I like And you're getting gifts for everybody and having to do that whole shebang, you know? Yeah. And I like to uh, cram everything in, as Michael knows. Like, I, I just like to schedule us every single second of the day and squeeze it out like a toothpaste tube. Um, so Speaking of scheduling, <laughs> so last week we were up in LA. We, I think we did eight podcasts. Yeah, we batched them. In three days, which is a lot. It's a lot of conversations to have. And the interesting thing about podcasting, it's not like going to dinner with your friends and like having like an easy conversation. When you're in a podcast, or at least when we are, you really have to be present to the conversation and focus. So I feel like an hour conversation takes the effort of like going to a four hour dinner. It's basically like we talked for 18 hours straight. Yeah. And Which so, we're not complaining about. We love it, but it does require a lot of mental focus and it's hard when you're trying to run all your social accounts and get it all in. 
No, so I'm happy we did it. We have a lot of content. We have a lot of really great guests coming up for you guys. But it's a, it was a lot. And then, if that wasn't enough, Lauren signed us up to be part of a proposal. And we're going to get into it. it I, I, was, I was sitting there and we were part of this proposal, which Lauren's going to talk about. And I just started thinking to myself, like, man, life, is, life has gotten strange. It's so cool, though. So what happened was this guy named Andrew reached out to me and asked if I would be a part of his proposal. So he sent me this super cute itinerary and Michael and I were supposed to meet him and his girlfriend, Amanda at Costera in San Diego. And we were supposed to be sitting at the bar. So we went in early. Let's lay the scene. We're there. We're there. We're incognito. We're incognito. We're we're kind of nervous. We're laying low. Well, listen first, Andrew, and Amanda were awesome. And congratulations, you guys, if you if you hear this. Um, but, you know, we'd never done anything like that. We were part of this proposal, and we had to act like we were, you know, surprised, and we had to act like we didn't know what was going on. But, you know, it's it's. I was just sitting there the whole time sweating, being like, my God, I hope I don't fuck this thing up. So basically, we were sitting there. We have to kind of drink Bloody Marys and have chips and salsa, and her and Andrew walk in, and they sit down to the left of the bar and Michael and I cannot act like we know them because we've never met them. That guy's a smooth operator to think of that. He was a smooth operator. So she sits down and we make eye contact for a second. And she goes, I have to say, hi, I'm Amanda. You know, I read the skinny confidential and I just made this supernatural conversation with her for an hour. So for an hour, we learned all about her and Andrew. It was really cool. And she just thought we were running into her on accident. And every time I didn't know what to say and I thought I was going to blow it, I would just start shoving chips and salsa into my mouth so that I couldn't speak. Okay, that was good. Yeah, I feel like you did that a hundred times. So we made... Well, listen, Lauren, like I do, I have a lot of different strengths, but I, I, I never signed up to be like a proposal guy. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. fake proposal guy. I'm not an actor. Okay. You were good though. I'd give you a B. So we were drinking coconut margaritas and shooting the shit with Andrew and Amanda, just hanging out. And I said wow, you guys should come to this private event that I have at Rustic Root. It's for 20 TSC readers and it's super private and you should invite all your friends. So she was texting her friends to invite them and I said, we should Uber there together. So at 1.30, I told them it was time to go. So we all got in an Uber together. We Ubered over to the Rustic Root and Michael and I got out of the car and they followed after us and we walked into the restaurant And right before him and Amanda were about to walk in the restaurant, Andrew got down on one knee and a hundred of her friends and family were in the restaurant watching the whole proposal. It was so cute and so smooth and she started crying and her friends and family cheered and it was super, super special. I thought he put a lot of detail into it. Yeah. So again, congratulations, guys. Life has taken a, a strange turn. Why? I just, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've done in my life and I just... That's that's the first time I've ever done that. But you were so cute because you said to me, I feel really good about that. That was really fun. Well, of course you see a young couple. It's like happiness. You, know? yeah. you, want, them to, you want them to win. I was, I was pumped to do it. I was like, you know, I was flattered also to, to be part of it. But, you know, I, didn't, I just didn't want to fuck it up. Thank you, Amanda and Andrew, for having us a part of your proposal. So fun. And congratulations. It's a nerve wracking thing to do, too, as a man. Why? Like, were you nervous? Yeah, I was super nervous and I don't get ner- I wasn't like nervous of that you're going to say no or something. I was just nervous. What if like, I was like, nah? <laughs> fuck, it would have saved me a lot of trouble by now. <laughs> but, you know, um, it was. I wasn't nervous that like someone's going to say no. 
I was just, it's just a nerve wracking thing to do. I can't explain it. I don't know how to, I mean, the guys out there, they know what I'm talking about. Um, well, I would have been nervous too, but you completely surprised me when I was wearing a homeless, like get up with my hair, not washed for 500 weeks and my nails had like dirt under them and it was just like not a pretty situation. It was like every other Tuesday, huh? You could have waited for my blowout. You know, uh, that's what I was talking to Andrew. I did a little pep talk with him in the bathroom before because I knew like- Did you? Yeah, we had a little, we had a little uh, boys powwow and I was like, listen, man, like, you know, I know you're probably nervous, like just take it easy. And I was thinking to myself, you know, when I did it, at least it was just you and I in private. This guy had to do it in front of I don't know how many people were there, like 40, 50 people were no, there. There was like a hundred people there, I feel like. My counter's off. But yeah, I mean, that was, that's a lot more pressure because obviously she said yes, but what if she says no and you're in front of all those people, then what do you do? Wait, so when Amanda and I were having coconut margaritas, you and Andrew were in the urinals together, like having a pep talk? Yeah, I went, well, you know, we ended up going back there because I need to know the game plan. Okay. So I needed to make sure that I wasn't, that, you know, we weren't going to screw it up when we got to the next destination. You know, I never give you the game plan. <laughs> no, no. Could you imagine if we were late to that? <gasps> I was on time, so I'm feeling really good about myself. Well, so mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Maybe I'll start acting. Ooh, someone did say you looked like Christian Bale the other night. Well, as long as it's not the new role he's playing, he's playing Dick Cheney. So as long as it's not that guy, I'm, I'm good. I can call you Dick. <laughs> yeah, you do it. You do all the time anyway. All right, let's get into the show. So last night after the proposal, I was in bed drinking mint tea, of course, eating my favorite candy on the planet. If you guys follow me on social media, you know I'm absolutely obsessed with Yum Earth candy. Michael and I will totally put our stamp of approval on this all day, every day. In fact, he is literally eating it right now. He's been chewing it. I told him he had to take it out of his mouth. It really is the best candy ever. When he starts chewing it, you guys are going to get hungry. So I'm a huge fan of the peach licorice. Talked about it a lot on Snapchat. It really doesn't taste like licorice. The taste is more like this peachy, not too sweet, delicious candy. I like to mix them with popcorn, salty and sweet. It's so bomb. You guys have to try it. And I actually keep a bunch in my handbag and in the car for when we go to the movies. I also have to mention that they have pomegranate and strawberry licorice flavor too. They happen to be pink, just saying. It's also good. You got the popcorn, the movies, pomegranate licorice, maybe some peach. I mean, I'm in heaven. I had the peach during Star Wars. Michael, your mouth is stuffed with them right now. No, I'm eating the watermelon lemon sour twist. so obnoxious. So Michael's more of a sour twist guy. They have these super good organic watermelon lemonade twists that just take you back to your childhood in the best way. And they even contain turmeric, which I'm very much about. So the cool thing about this candy is it has the simplest flavors, colors, and ingredients, and the brand steers clear from artificial ingredients. This is incredible because it tastes like you're eating flavorful candy, but you're just super carefree about it because it's not like normal candy. The brand was founded by two dads. One of them suffers from a food allergy, so they have a firsthand understanding of just how sensitive people can be to gluten, peanuts, dairy, and other allergens. The candy contains no eggs, no soy, no gluten, no milk, no tree nuts, no shellfish. All of the candy is organic and non-GMO, and a lot of their products are vegan too. They also have insane lollipops. Don't mean to brag, but I was eating a hot chili mango lollipop today and loving it. They also have gummy bears and even sour jelly beans. I actually freeze the jelly beans and the peach licorice sometimes. 
And I'm so sorry in advance because you will be in love with this situation. If you're a mom or a dad, your kids will love this too and they won't feel like they're missing out at all. This is one of those things that the second you guys try the candy, you'll be obsessed. You will be just so in love with it. You'll be Snapchatting it. I'm telling you, this brand is the perfect fit for the Skinny Confidential because if I were to actually design my own candy brand, it would be exactly like this. A fresh blog post is waiting for you on the Skinny Confidential now, breaking down why I love this candy and this brand and how to throw like a Candyland soiree for the holidays. You can scope this candy at yumearth.com. Again, that's yumearth.com. I know you guys will love this candy. It is so delicious. With that, let's get into the him and her tip of the week. So my tip is maybe a little bit redundant, some of the things I've said before, but I thought it was fitting for this podcast. It's been a while since we've talked about mindset stuff, and we're talking all mindset stuff today. And some of the topics in my tip are actually going to come up again in the episode. But I think it's important to reiterate, especially going into the new year. So first, stop paying so much attention to what those around you are thinking and doing. First, obviously, the obvious one. If you care so much about what other people think of you, you will constantly live based on those perceived expectations. It will hold you back from opportunities that you would have if you weren't so concerned. And the second part is the not so obvious is to stop paying so much attention to what others are doing. I know with social media, there's a lot of people that want to say, okay, what's this person doing? How is this formula working? How's this brand building themselves? How's this business working? But at some point when you're paying so much attention to what others are doing and what formulas are working for them, it becomes really distracting and it can actually hurt your own brand or your own business or your own personality because you're using somebody else's blueprint and you're not focusing on yours. And I see a lot of young people right now basically coming to me and saying, look what this person's doing, look what this brand did, look what this business did. And so the problem is, is they're so focused on those formulas that they can't focus on building their own playbook. You're constantly playing based on somebody else's playbook. And I just see so many people running into trouble by paying so much attention to what other people are doing. I think the perfect example is the blogger industry. You see so many new bloggers focused on what some established bloggers are doing. And what it does is it holds them back from being able to execute on their own vision. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but when you're so focused on what other people are doing, it's tif- it's difficult to figure out what you what you should be doing. So everything I've ever done in my life, I've I've always kind of taken a look and respected what other people are doing, but then really gone off on my own way and, and done my own thing. And I think Lauren's definitely done that as well. And most of the successful people that you see, while they respect their contemporaries and their competitors, they really are focused on what they're doing. And so my tip of the week is to basically stop focusing on what everybody else is thinking and what everybody else is doing and just do you. I know that sounds really cliche and easy to do, but you'd be surprised how many people fall into the trap of both. So focus on your own shit. Yeah. I mean, basically just walk your own path without fear of what other people will say or think of you. And then don't worry about going down someone else's path. Worry about your own path. But I was eating sour twists last night and then you went and copied me. Well, <laughs> it can't always be perfect, especially when it comes to sour twists. <laughs> so my tip has to do with energy. So recently I realized I've been trying to do everything at once. And what's happened is it's compromised my energy. So in 2018, 
it's a goal. I don't love the word goal. I don't, what's another word for that, honey? System. A system, I guess, of mine to really evaluate where I'm putting my energy. So I do this thing, and Michael knows what I mean here. He's probably like laughing in his head, right? Where I try to squeeze everything in. And what I'm really starting to realize is that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So instead of me trying to squeeze in every possible thing I can possibly squeeze in, I think I need to be a little bit more protective of my time and energy. So like I said, 2018 will be about me prioritizing my time. And I feel like if you're out there and you're listening and you're giving your energy to a bunch of different things, but not really focusing on that one thing or those priorities, then it can get draining. This is going to be super hard for me though, because I always, like I said, try to fit everything in. Michael knows. I feel like this means saying no, I got to create some boundaries and just monitor my time and energy better. This is something that I really, really have to work on. So if you guys have any tips or tricks, please let me know on my Instagram and Twitter. I'm very, very bad at time management and I really need all the help I can get. Michael actually just gave me a stack of books that I need to read on time management and priorities. Well, and I feel like a lot of people have difficult time with this because they feel like they're going to offend or upset because a lot of the time with guarding your time is basically saying no to people around you, friends and family. And that can upset some people. But if they really, if you're upfront with them and you explain why you need to guard your time and why you need to focus on what you're doing at the time, it, either they're re- they're, they really care about you and they respect that. And if they don't, you got to kind of question why that person is maybe in your life or why they're, they're not respecting your time. And, and so I think, it's just basically having an upfront conversation with someone saying, Hey, listen, I have to, you know, I'm, I got to focus here and I can't commit to that. I need to work on that. I mean, I feel like I'm a cell phone. I just it's hard for people pleasers. Yeah. I need to know when to stop and recharge my battery so I can be the best version of myself. And I think that it will help me not be so late too, because I overcommit myself and then I'm Let's late. Let's not get ahead of yourself here. No, I'm going to try. I'm really going to try. I'm going to read this book. So that was my little therapy session for today. Okay. Today we have Kara Allwill, who empowers women to live their best life, celebrate themselves every day and make their happiness a priority. She's a best-selling and award-winning author, podcaster, and master life coach. In the past five years, she has self-published six Amazon best-selling books, which have all topped various best-seller categories on Amazon, including self-help, self-esteem, motivation, and women in business, and have gained massive popularity around the world. In July 2016, Inc. Magazine named Girl Code one of their top nine books every female entrepreneur should read, along with Lean In, Thrive by Aaron Huffington, and Girl Boss by Sofia Amoroso. So she's amongst a good crowd. Kara's glamorous approach to self-help has attracted thousands of women to attend her workshops and events around the country and listen to her top-rated podcast, Style Your Mind. She is often sought out by the media to help women challenge their fears and create their best life. You know I love that. She's also been featured in Glamour, Shape, Vibe, Huffington Post, Pop Sugar, Cosmopolitan, and The Daily Mail, to name a few. 
Prior to her brand taking off full-time, Kara spent eight years at MTV Networks as a digital advertising director where she oversaw a 20-person sales team and managed multi-million dollar ad campaigns for brands like CoverGirl and Pepsi. Her unique background gives her an in-depth understanding of sales and marketing and makes her a strong influencer with her own brand in the online space. So let's welcome Kara to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Okay, Kara, introduce yourself to the Skinny Confidential audience. Okay. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am an author, podcaster, um, life coach, certified master life coach. I feel like I don't really like to give myself a title because it kind of boxes me into something. But basically, I am a girl who started out probably almost 10 years ago now who had a story to tell and I decided to start a blog to kind of just share my story as a creative outlet. I was working for MTV at the time, didn't really love what I was doing. I was working in advertising and I was kind of sold the dream that I think a lot of people are sold in their 20s, like get this good job and and sort of like hunker down and get your 401k and all your perks and your six-figure salary, which we all know is really not a lot of money. (laughs) But at the time I thought that it was, I was doing the right thing. And I found myself like so unfulfilled and I found myself in a place where I was missing the creative outlet and I was missing the connection, I think, with people. So that was around the time that I started a blog and it was called The Champagne Diet because it was inspired by a glass of champagne. I was looking for something that I could drink that was not going to be like super calorie laden, that was going to be light. And it was champagne. And through the blog, it kind of just like blossomed into this outlet for me to really share my story with other women And I thought, well, how can I turn this into something that feels like official? Because I didn't want to just be a blogger. So I went to school and I became a life coach. And that kind of felt more official to me. And that sort of became like my career. And then the coaching wasn't really that fulfilling. I kind of wanted to like expand on it. So I wrote a book and then I wrote two and three and four. And now I'm like six books later and I have a podcast and I've sort of just have created this kind of I think I like to call it a lifestyle brand for women, although it's more than lifestyle. It's more like mindset lifestyle. But it's just kind of like a place for women to come to feel heard and to feel inspired and to feel motivated by. I love it. Talk to me about creating your own future. Like I really want you to elaborate on that and then give us tips for someone who wants to create their own future. So I think like I said, like we're kind of sold this idea that like we're supposed to like grow up and get married and buy a house and have a job. And I think for me, I just felt so kind of like gypped by that for a long time. And I was kind of like, well, why don't I feel like the way that I'm supposed to feel? So for me, I kind of started to really think about what was important to me and what were the things that I wanted in my life. And I started looking around and other people that were doing it. And I was like, well, if she has this business and she has this career and if, you know, if, if he's got this thing going on, like, why can't I have that? So instead of kind of getting, I think a lot of us can tend to get jealous of other people who are doing cool stuff and everything on social media looks so exciting and so, you know, magical. And I was like, well, you know what, instead of getting jealous of that, I'm going to get inspired by it and figure out how I can make it happen for myself. So it takes a lot, I think, of of what I do is like mindset coaching and sort of understanding that like it doesn't have to kind of be the way that it looked like it was supposed to be, like what your parents told you you should do. You can sort of challenge that and you can find new ways to kind of create a life that feels important to you. And I think a lot of it really comes down to like turning inward and figuring out what matters and what's important. And for me, I mean, I think that was kind of it. And I feel like I'm always creating my future. Like I feel like what I'm doing now is not what I'm going to do in five years from now. And I don't think it should be. And I, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, don't you feel like you're 
like you like what you're doing now, but don't you feel like it's just? I've like always the- felt like that. I've always felt like people come to me all the time and say like, "How do you find your passion?" And I said honestly, like, I still don't know if I found my passion because I feel like, like you said, five years from now, I'll probably be doing something completely different. Like take this podcast for example. You know, three years ago, I never would have thought we'd be sitting here doing a podcast with you. No way. Yeah. So I was I was curious as you were talking about coaching, as you're talking about mindset stuff. When somebody comes to work with you mm-hmm. or they comes to seek you out, what is the biggest hurdle or challenge um, as a breakthrough point for them? Like what is when they come and say, listen, I've like I had the idea and I'm working this nine to five or I had this career idea. What do you see as the biggest hurdle for them to kind of get in the mindset of, OK, you can do your own future. You can have your own strategy like you don't have to do the cookie cutter, you know, what everyone else does. Like what is that? What's the challenge most of the time you see or the most common challenge? People think they're not going to make money. And which I find is so funny because I thought the same thing. And I was making, like I said, I was making six figures. And I was making like $101,000 a year at MTV, which in New York, like I said, is it sounds like a lot of money. But the living cost in New York, it really was not. Like there were nights that like me and my husband were like, how are we going to make it last till our next paycheck? How are we going to stretch this $20 in our bank account? So you think you're making a lot of money. You think you're in this like career, this corporate job. But I think people are scared to kind of step out because they think they're going to make even less. And they think that it's just like impossible to make money doing what you love to do. And I think that's like the biggest hurdle. And it's funny because when I left MTV, like I had my coaching practice and I had my books. And I remember thinking like, oh, my God, I'm going to be like starving next month. And I made like twice the amount of money that I made in my month, my first, you know, month out of the gate. And like now when I look at what I'm making and it's like to me, entrepreneurship is so exciting because the possibilities are endless. Like you can literally create opportunities you can create money you can create whatever kind of revenue you want but I think people are so sort of like structured and so like brainwashed into thinking that there's just one way to do things so I for sure think money is a big scary hurdle for people especially people with kids or people with homes or like these things that they're tied to like I don't have children I haven't like I rent an apartment so for me it was a little bit more fluid but I still felt scared I think like everybody else I mean don't you guys kind of feel like Absolutely. I think that a lot of people lead with money. Mm -hmm. And when you're leading with money and you're putting that energy out into the ether, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get the right response. I mean, for me, I went into blogging knowing that I was not going to make money for three years. I didn't even think about it. I didn't Mm -hmm. lead with it. I provided value. And I want to talk about value with you. So how do you provide value? Because I'm always watching what you're doing and I feel like you've created this amazing community. How do you provide value to that community? every single day? I think for me, it's like something that I can't not do. Like I love what I do so much and I never got in it for the money. And I always say that it's a joke that I have with my family. Like I'm not in it for the money because I used to intern at like all these companies and like never make a dollar, but I just did it because I love to do it. I think when your purpose and you're getting up in the morning and your why and the reason you're doing what you do is because you truly love it money is irrelevant. Like it doesn't matter. Like it, and it's, it's almost like that weird thing where you're sort of attached when you're coming from that lack mindset, as opposed to like an abundance mindset and you're attached to money and you feel like, Oh my God, if I spend $40 in a restaurant, I'm going to be broke all week. Or as opposed to you think, well, if I spend $40, like I'm enjoying myself and I'm having a great experience and I'm feeling good. And maybe you can make a connection. Yeah. And like, I'm just going to continue to attract more. And it's, it's all about like an energy thing. I mean, for me, when it comes to providing value, it's like something I can't not do, if that makes sense. Like I get up in the morning and like the first thing I do is go in my Facebook group and like I'm like excited to connect with people and I feel like I want to help people and that's what I'm built to do and that's why I'm on this earth. Like it's not about a business. It's it's my livelihood and it's what I do. So I think, I don't know, like I, I kind of, I actually posted this the other day because it was an article I think I told you about on Medium 
and it was talking about coaching and the entrepreneurship world and sort of the way people have done business in the past and everything was like, well, I'm going to give you this free stuff. And then at the end, I'm going to sell you something. Or if you pay attention to my webinar, then I'm going to sell you this $3,000 program at the end. And I've always been so turned off by that. So I always knew I never wanted to do business that way. It's a very short term business model, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's like, just feels gross. Like who wants that? Like I always knew, like I can tell, I can tell right away when somebody's selling me something. And I think because I worked in ads for so long, like I worked at MTV and advertising for eight years and like, I have like an antenna up and I'm like, oh my God, that's an ad. That's like an ad. I don't want any part of it. So for me, it was always just about providing an experience. And if people want to come and spend money with me, they can, but that's never my goal. So what would you, if, okay, we're talking a lot about money and we're talking about young people and kind of like figuring out their career path. When someone comes to you and they're so scared about taking the leap because of financial reasons, they're Mm -hmm. wondering like, can I make ends meet? How do you kind of walk them through that process? What do you tell them? I'm interested for myself. Like what, when you, when a young person comes like, how do you say, listen, it's going to be okay. And how do you kind of get them to the place where they can actually take that leap? You need to side hustle and you need to do it and prove that you can bring the money in first. So when I was working at MTV, I was working for like six or seven years doing a side hustle. I was doing my blog and then I was doing life coaching and I was working on the weekends and at night. So I was proving to myself that I could bring the money in. I never recommend like just kind of taking the leap and saying, well, I'll just see what happens. Like I don't ever recommend doing that because then you come from a place of desperation. I don't believe you can ever be creative from a desperate place or you can ever... Right. Like once like when you need money and you're like, oh, my God, I got to make a dollar like it's never nothing good's going to come from that. So I think if you're kind of doing it, well, you have the cushion of having the full time job, even if it's not bringing six figures, even if it's a part time job and you're working at Starbucks, let's say, but you're still doing what you love on the side. You're doing it without that feeling of like pressure and anxiety around. You're also putting it out in the ether and making steps towards something that you want to do, even though you're doing something that you don't want to do. At least you're putting your energy towards something purposeful and not just sitting in the situation being miserable. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to know more about mindset because you're a life coach. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about mindset. Walk us through like all of it. So what you focus on expands. That's like my biggest thing that I always remind myself of, what I remind everybody of. Whatever you are thinking about, what you obsess over is going to multiply. So if you are sitting here thinking, oh my God, this bottle of water is empty. I don't have water. I'm so thirsty. Oh my God, I need more water. You're going to feel thirstier and you're going to feel upset and you're going to be focusing on this water bottle. But if you're like, oh my God, like a bottle of water is coming and a bottle of champagne is coming and food's coming. Like you feel abundant and you feel good and you're focusing on the fact that there's more coming to you. So it's like so simple is just like picking whatever it is that you want to like focus on and allowing it to expand. If you're sitting there, I had this conversation with my husband last night and I got home and he got home and I was like, how was your day? And he's like, it was so humid out. And I'm like, I know I'm so tired. And I said, stop. We have to stop this conversation right now because all we're doing is complaining. And when you complain, you literally block your happiness. You block your blessings. You block your ability to feel gratitude. So if you can simply catch it, because we all do it, it's like human nature, I think, to kind of default to feeling shitty or to kind of like focusing on what's like lacking. But if you can stop yourself and you can shift that mindset and you can say, okay, maybe I do think the weather is crappy or I do don't, I don't feel good or I'm tired. What's good in your life? Like I said to him the other day, cause he was like, Oh, work sucked and this and that. And I said, well, what happened today? That was good. And he started laughing and he's like, you're right. I totally like, no, like, so it's just a matter of like reprogramming yourself and just realizing that your thoughts do become things and that whatever it is that you're choosing to think about is going to become your reality. And I know it sounds so cliche and so cheesy, but it's so true. 
I love it. I think that applies here because, you know, sometimes we, we've been going, going, going as we've been in New York and like, it, you know, it gets exhausting. Yeah. But I'm always so excited to just be in the city that as soon as I step foot out there, I'm like, oh my God, I have a shitload of energy. And like these girls, they make fun of me because I'm running around the city. But no, wait I think a minute. Hold on. No, if you, no, If no. you tell yourself wait, that you're on. tired and it's- We make fun of you. He's running through the city with a suitcase- no, really, this is like not even me being I'm funny. F- I'm fired up. He's running. He's running. And Ariel can attest that he's running 200 feet in front of us. He's rude. He can't multitask. He's on his phone looking for an Uber. People, I'm just excited to be he's here. He's excited. You know? It's a little. It's a but little. But I think the other side of that is if, if Lauren wakes up and says, I'm so tired and like, oh, it's exhausting. Then you'll then you'll feel that. It rubs off on you. Are yeah. you right. trying to tell me something? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <clears throat> What's a day in the life of the Champagne Diet HQ? Um, okay. So I don't go to HQ every day and like people have a hard time with that, which I think is funny. So like, just to give a background to the listeners, like I worked from home for the first, like almost three years of my business. Like I left MTV and I was working from home and I felt like there was no disconnect for me and there was no place for me to put my books or to have an event. And if I wanted to do a meetup, for example, I have a, like a Facebook group. If I wanted to do a meetup in New York, like I had to go to a bar and be like, Hey, can I have your space for two hours? And just became like really annoying. So I sort of had this like spiritual download when I walked by the storefront in my neighborhood and I saw it and I was like I need to have this space this like has to be mine I have to lease this out like it's just got to be I don't know what I'm doing with it yet but I need it and at first I thought it was going to be an office but then I kind of quickly felt like once I was going in there every day and sitting at the desk I was like I feel like I'm back at like Viacom like you know like it just felt so gross what, what were we going to say? I'm just <laughs> pointing to you because Michael is the same way where he he doesn't thrive in an office setting. No. And I'm the same way as well. Like to sit there from nine to five for me is not going to work. Right. So this is very interesting to me. So you went in thinking that you were going to do the nine to five thing in your own office and you thought, well, this is my own office so I can do it. And you quickly found that, wait, this wasn't for you. Yes. Like I, I immediately thought like, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to take a shower and put on makeup and like get dressed and it'll like get me out of the house. And then the first few times that I did that, I was kind of like sitting there like tapping my fingers. I was kind of like, I don't know, I'm going to order lunch. And then ordering lunch was bringing like, it was like a whole PTSD thing. I was like, I can't order lunch to my office. That's like (laughs) so corporate and gross and I hate it. So what I kind of realized that that space was going to be for me was more of an event space and more of a communal space and a place for me, even like my cousin Nicole, like we'll come there and we'll be like, let's just got to get a bottle of champagne and like brainstorm, you know? Or have it as a place to do meetups for my readers in New York. Tell them the story about the books and how you hand them out. Because I loved that story. Oh, so I got this. Like, So I grew up in an apartment. I grew up like really broke. Like we never had like a house or anything. I grew up in Brooklyn. And I always kind of like envied people that had like backyards and porches. So when I got this space, it was like my baby. It was like my little house. So we had a garden out front and I ordered like a patio set because I was like, well, I'm just going to sit on the damn sidewalk in Brooklyn with my patio. I love it. And have my coffee because like I never had that experience. So I ordered this like adorable like hot pink patio set. And my cousin came with me one night and we were sitting there and it was like maybe the first month that I had the space and we put on Pandora and we were listening to like jazz and we had a bottle of champagne on the sidewalk like you do in Brooklyn because everybody sits out on the sidewalk. And people were coming up to me and they're like, what is this? And I have a big neon sign that says the champagne diet. And people are like, they're like thrown for a loop in Brooklyn. Because I also, even though it's New York, it's still like a very family kind of centric neighborhood and like a lot of old people. And they're like, what is the champagne diet? And like, I die laughing when they try to read the sign because they have no idea what's going on. And I don't have retail in there. So they're like, well, what is this? I don't get it. Like, how can you have a space, but you're not selling anything? They can't make the connection that it's not like adding value, but I'm not bringing in money from that spot. So Nicole dies because like people walk by and I'm like, well, here, like take a book. Like, this is what I do. I'm a writer. And like, 
she's like, we'll charge them. And I'm like, no, I'm not charging them. Like, just take the book, like, just take it. And like, people get that book in their hands and they're like, oh my God, I just had this amazing experience. I went by the store and this like girl was sitting outside drinking champagne, listening to jazz. And she handed me a book. How many times are you going to ever have that experience in your life when someone's not trying to hawk you something and say it's $10 or it's $12. So for me, losing the eight bucks that I might've made on that book is more powerful because I'm making a connection and a real relationship genuinely because I genuinely want that person to then pay attention and come by the next time that I do a meetup and make a vision board with me or have an experience with me. I want to also kind of discuss community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us about the importance of community. I know it's so important to you. Like walk Mm -hmm. us through why. So early on when I started blogging, I felt like there was like a serious need for female interaction and friendship and community. And I felt like I would put these stories out on the internet. And this is before Instagram and Pinterest. This was literally just like Twitter and Facebook. And I would just tweet, you know, like a random blog post and women from like around the world, like Sweden and like random places. How I found you through Twitter. Yeah. Like Twitter was amazing. And it still is in so many ways if you use it the right way. And so many people would come to me and be like, I totally related to what you talked about. Like, you know, can you talk more about this next in the next blog? Or here's my story. Like, what do you think I should do? And I I noticed early on, like, and this is 2008, that there was like a connection and a need for community. And I think as I kind of, you know, expanded my brand, I saw so many people on the other side of it where they were just trying to make money and just get people into their programs. And I was so turned off, like I said earlier, to that whole dynamic. And I still am. And I felt like, well, you know, Slay Baby, that's my group on Facebook. Like, I don't want it to be about business. Like, I have serious rules in there. Like, you can't come in and promote what you're doing. You can't sell your program. You can't put links to, like, your affiliate things. If you're, And not that I don't believe that women should connect on a business level, but, like, I just felt like there was something missing when it comes to, like, female friendships with no strings attached. And I think one of the biggest things that I noticed happening when I would do events was, like, a book signing, for example. And I would see girls hanging out. And like there was no pretense, like there was no bullshit, like they were just truly like having a drink and connecting. And I, I just don't think there's enough of that. So I'm a huge believer in community. I'm a huge believer in community without anything attached to it, without trying to make money, without networking. I don't like the word networking. I actually hate that word. Oh I feel like God. it's just so gross. It makes my skin crawl. <sighs> it's you like, and me both. Yeah. Well, we, we were talking to a friend of ours the other day and they were like saying like the proper way to network is to do something thoughtful for somebody, like make a real connection, like develop a friendship. It's not, you, the, the problem with networking events is like if, if I met you at an event and I show up and say, hey, here's my business card. Call me so we can do business. Like I'm just asking you for something. And I it's don't not, even have business cards. Yeah, I mean, I don't. you're never going to win in anything, whether it's networking or business or friendship, anything if you if you lead with an ask. If the first thing you say is like buy my program or connect with me or email me or, or give me this connection or or give me a recommendation, it's like, no, the, the the formula is provide value first, mm-hmm. give first, and then maybe you can receive, but you're not owed anything. I that, agree. That's what I believe. Totally. My business card is my book and I give it out for free. Like when I did my book tour for Girl Code in 2015, I would leave my book on airplanes and like, you know, the little pouch in front of your seat, I would stack my purse with books and I would just put it in the pouch. And a girl actually found it who was a flight attendant who is now one of like my biggest readers. Like she was on an American Airlines flight and she's like, oh my God, I found your book. We were cleaning out the plane and I read it and I thought it was amazing. And I would write little messages in the front of it. Like I hope whoever finds this book, like whoever's meant to find this book will find it. And I hope that you, you take what you need from it and like pass it on to another woman. And I genuinely mean that. Like what is the difference to me to make $10 off the book? Like who cares? Like I would so much rather that person have an experience with it, 
get what they need from it and like move on, pass it on to somebody else. And that's just, I don't know. Is it the same? I'm doing that. Is it the same? I was in Verizon the other day and I was like, this is actually not not the same thing, but it's kind of a funny story. I was in Verizon. I was like messing around with all the iPads and the iPhones and I just opened the podcast app on each of them and like opened our podcast and left. Yeah. I know it's not the, it's not the same thing Wait, as like giving exactly a book. that's exactly the same. It yeah. is the same. I used to do that at the, um, at the AT&T store. I would open the Skinny Confidential <laughs> and then my grandma used to go in Barnes and Noble, walk around, pretend she was like this cute little old lady and, like put and them take in all the my new books release. and put them in the new release. So I when people it. walked in, I mean... I even think like <laughs> Nicole does Yeah. She's like, like why move not? over John Grisham and like put this yeah. kind of confidential right there. <laughs> She's like, get out of here, Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> My book came out in um, July. It got re-released because I had self-published initially. So like Penguin Random House picked it up. We came, book came out and we like ran to Barnes and Noble and Tribeca the day that it came out. And we couldn't find it. And I'm like, where is this book? So Nicole's like asking everybody and it was like buried in the back and like, you know, business or whatever. And they like, she took it out and she put it in front of new releases. Mind you, we made friends with the sales assistant because we were so friendly with her and she was so friendly with us. And she's like, oh, my God, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm Kara. I shook her hand. She's like, here's my card. Come in, do a reading. Like, it's just being a human being and just being like nice and kind to people. Like, there's no formula for this. Like, just be a fucking normal person. Can I curse? Yes. Okay. What? Be a fucking normal person. Uh, and just be human. And like, just like you said, add value. Like, it's all it comes Can, down this to. This is a, maybe a tangent question, but just from my own you curiosity. You love a tangent. I do. love a good tangent. I do love a good tangent. Okay. What have you found to be the differences between self-publishing and going with a publisher? It's <laughs> a loaded question for oh, me. Oh, tell us all the juice. This is a loaded question. We okay. can't wait to hear. I want to preface this with saying I love my publisher and like they presented amazing opportunities to me and I'm so grateful that I'm having this experience now with them. But I will tell you that I do love a DIY project. I do love doing things on your own. There's just something about doing your own thing that's just a different feeling. And she's with Ryan Holiday's publisher, which for is super books. cool. Yeah. And yeah, I just wanted to throw that in since we just interviewed yeah. him. Yeah, and p- they're amazing. Like, they're such a great team. My editor, I love her to death. The PR team, like everybody's just like fabulous. I have no complaints at all. But there's something about doing it on your own that I just, I guess because I come from such a DIY background that when you do it on your own and you have that success on your own that you can kind of like know that you created it for yourself and there was nobody else involved and no one else is going to like take the credit for it and it's all you and you can kind of call the shots and like have your own experience with it when you're working with a team or a publisher or whoever is sort of like you know in charge like you're you're living up to different expectations you have different people weighing in their opinion on things what they think is best for you and I think especially as a brand owner when you really know what you're doing with your brand to kind of step in and say you know what that's not the right fit like I'm just going to decline this opportunity even though like you think it's great it may not be the best fit for me. And like, I know what's best for me. So there's good and bad to both. And I'm so grateful that I've had Where would you recommend somebody start? Self-publishing? Self-publishing. 100%. Mm-hmm. What is 100%. the process of that? Like for someone that's listening out there that mm-hmm. wants to write a book, what do you recommend? What's the first step? Okay. So the first step is to write the book to get as much as you can out. If it's nonfiction, I always recommend doing an outline of the book because that's kind of like the bones of the book and it's going to grow from there. I recommend working with an editor. So finding somebody that can help you shape the book and work on, you know, grammar issues or whatever, like, like just do like a clean sweep of it. And then really go to, like, I use Amazon's Create Space. That's their platform. I recommend them a thousand times over. Talk to me more about that. What Amazing. is that? They're self-publishing. So it's their self-publishing platform. So basically what you do, and this is what we did. So I had my book. I hired an editor. I think I paid her like 200 bucks to edit the whole book. 
I had a designer, my graphic designer, who did my web stuff at the time. Which the covers are beautiful. Thank and you. Very like aesthetically pleasing. Ariel and Thank I you. shot them. They're so pretty for fun. So so stripped and style in your mind. My husband did those, but Girl Code. Um, I had a designer do that one. So those are the books I think I sent you. So style your mind. Yeah, that's a pink and black one. Yes, and Girl yeah. Code. Yeah. So I kind of had the cover concept for Girl Code. I called my designer and I said, I just feel like we need this barcode. I want it to be blush pink, black with a pop of gold. It was like my brand color. She's like, I got you. She showed me the cover and like within like 24 hours, I was like, this is it. She's like, please just like sleep on it. And I'm like, no, like this is going to be the cover. So that's what it was. So I like got everything together. We edited the book. My husband laid it out because he was a former magazine, you know, editor, designer, whatever. So we laid it out in InDesign and we had this whole PDF. We went on Amazon, CreateSpace. They give you the specs. You literally, if you have anyone that knows anything about design, they can follow this stuff so easily. And it was up within like a day, basically, which I was not prepared wow. for because Girl Code came out and I thought it was going to come out in October and it came out in like September, I think it was oh. or something. And I was like, oops, because like, I thought I was going to have all the time to promote it. But um, That's it was just, cool. it was a really cool experience. And like you keep like a huge rev share. So like. The amount of books, which I didn't know at the time, my first couple of books sold a decent amount, but when Girl Code kind of came on the scene and I f understood what I was selling because I had no idea about numbers of like books and like what's like the average book. I think the average book, it's a good book if it sells like 10,000 copies or 15, Girl Code like way surpassed that. I didn't know at the time. So when Penguin came to me, they were like, oh my God, we want to like publish your next book with you. And then they wound up doing Girl Code and my next book. I didn't understand at the time what I was doing simply by just sharing my words like on Instagram. And, and does Penguin have to give you a better deal because you because you did it? So this is the thing. So when you self-publish, if you can prove that you have a brand and if you can prove that you can sell your books, you have a lot more leverage with a publisher. So I was able to get a much bigger advance. I was able to really assert myself as an author and say, this is what I'm looking for with my next book. Like these are the things that I require. Like I want to weigh in on the cover. I want to you know, weigh in on the PR opportunities. So I think when you're starting out, I don't know, I feel like if I had gotten a book deal in the beginning, I wouldn't have had all these opportunities to really develop myself as an author, as an artist, as a creative entrepreneur, you know, that I would if I had, you know, kind of done what I did, which is... You've been content marketing. I mean, you yeah. did that when you started Without with knowing blog. I was. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but you too, right? Like you, I feel like you didn't know. Like we didn't know what we were doing. We were just like putting stuff out there. But and it, that's the beauty. And that's yes. what everyone needs to understand yes, is that you don't always have to know what you're doing. No. You just have to start. Yes. Right? Start with what you have with where you are. What is girl code? Like explain it. So girl code is basically a, a manifesto for women. It doesn't have to be for women entrepreneurs, although that's what the book is geared towards, but towards professional women. Is it similar to guy code? I don't know what guy code yeah, is. What's guy code? Is that creep? <laughs> Ew, we're talking about girl code. What's guy code? I don't know. Yeah, well, okay. that's creepy. You, you can go have guy code with your friends. I can't tell you guys. Yeah, I don't know. It's, so, it's, a, it's a secret. So guy code. <laughs> Some weird masturbation circle. Oh, that's something different. Okay. That's a different you code. You go do guy code. We're over we here. We have a lot of codes. Okay. So girl code is like really just like a roadmap for women to kind of understand that it is like so much more important to team up as opposed to like isolate yourself. So it's really about collaboration over competition. It's about joining forces and understanding that we all have something unique to offer. Like you and I were just talking about this. Like we have such similar audiences, but we're different people. So we're always going to have different content. Like people get so women, especially, and this is so sad to me because women get so possessive over what they're doing. And it's like, I don't want to show her who my editor is, or I don't want to talk about my podcast producer because she might steal my clients or steal. And it's, 
crazy to me. Like there's just, it's a waste of time. And I think if women can come together and realize that we're better together, there's just so much more good that can come out of that. So that's really the manifesto behind Girl Code. And is Style Your Mind all about mindset? Yes. So Style Your Mind, I created because I stopped private coaching because I felt like it was just sort of, it's really hard to work with people one-on-one and still kind of build this thing that's bigger than you. So I felt like it was very draining on me to have the private coaching kind of model. And I loved it. And I love working with women. I still do group coaching. But Style Your Mind was something that I could create for women to take if they wanted. I was getting so many emails of like, are you hiring? Are you taking on clients? And I'm like, I'm not. But what can I give people beyond what I'm what I do as a coach? So it's kind of like a sort of like a life coach in your pocket book, as I kind of call it. So it's like you can take like what I teach my clients and do it on your own. Cause I don't think people answer those questions or take a minute to say like, what is my vision for my life? Like I, before I became a coach, I never did that before, you know? So you kind of help people create their own future. Yes. So what, like speaking of your coaching and now mm-hmm. it's not private anymore, but groups, yeah. what would you say would be like the cornerstones of your coaching or the cornerstones of your teaching? Let's call it. I think like, you know, understanding that you are the author of your life, the authoress of your life, as I love to say, like, and you really do have the ability to create a vision for yourself. And I think it's just really becoming mindful of your blocks and your challenges and whatever's getting in your way. And then becoming mindful of the fact that you can change all of that. I think like, like what I was talking about earlier with jobs, like we all sort of get into this, like this world where like, well, I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to have kids and I'm supposed to get married. I'm supposed to have this job. And like, I kind of want people to just like throw all that away and start from scratch. And like, who are you at the core? Like what matters to you? What's important to you? Because what's important to me may be different than what's important to you. And I don't think we take enough time to really recognize that. So is there like a process? Like, you, like say you start with, let's call it like step one, step two, but I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is there like a process you have to go through to get there? I mean, it's not a process in terms of like you work with me and like we do like these certain things, but I think it's always about just really understanding like what your challenges are. And I think as a life coach, you never want to tell someone what to do. So you never give somebody advice. Like my goal is to empower you to get to your next best best step. So I would say to you on a, on a coaching call, for example, like, well, what are you challenged with this week? Like, what's, what are you really struggling with? And let's say you say, I'm really struggling with comparing myself to people in my industry. I would say to you, okay, well, like, where is that coming from? Like, let's dig deeper into it. So you kind of go through these steps of like understanding what the struggle is and then understanding what you can do to get out of it. And then as a coach, I hold you accountable to it. So like, I would say, well, what's your goal for the week? Like, what do you want to do to kind of move past this? What do you think is going to help you move past this? Because I don't know like what's going on in your head, but as a coach, I think you're responsible for really like empowering your client to figure out whatever it is that they need to do to kind of move on. It sounds like it's like you're, you don't want people to feel the victim. You want them yeah, to let to it fuel you. Have exactly. you noticed any, like now that you've coached so many people, have you noticed any common themes or is there anything that's more prevalent with most of the people? It's like, I guess like fear-based would be, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest things, but is there something, I guess a little bit more, I don't want to call it detailed, but um, something a little bit more, like not just fear, but like a specific fear or a specific hurdle that you see is like, hey, a lot of people have this in common and this is something that I've gotten good at getting through. Yeah. So fear of what other people think of you. I think that's a big one. So a lot of people are afraid to, for example, you start a new business or you start a blog and you want to put it up on social media. And I think people are so afraid of like, what is someone going to say about me? Or what is someone going to think about me if I put this out there? Or am I going to be rejected in some way? Am I not going to be successful? So I think like, kind of teaching people that part of the process is dealing with that fear and maybe you won't be and that's okay. So like, I love to tell people like, so what, like what if that happened? So what? Like 
if someone doesn't like your coaching practice or if somebody thinks your blog is stupid, then what? So like getting people to realize like it's not that big of a deal, even though at the time it may seem like a big deal and sort of like leading them down that journey and realizing that the at the end it's all going to be okay because it's never perfect in the beginning. And like we were just saying, like you kind of have to start with something and realize that it's going to blossom into whatever it's going to blossom into. And I think storytelling is so powerful and that's why I was talking about like where I started and I'm like, I'm sure there are people that still laugh at me. They're like, what is she doing? Like, what is, you know, but you just have to kind of always stay true to your own focus, put your blinders on and realize that like whatever is important to you, that's all that matters. And what people think of you is really none of your business. I mean, I would say for me, not giving a fuck what anyone thinks has Mm -hmm. been practice. It's so much practice. It's putting yourself out there over and over and over again in front of people and practicing not to care yeah and I can say now I do feel at a space where I just don't care anymore yeah not everyone's gonna like me I'm not for everyone you you and I are very much on the same page Mm -hmm. with this um and you just have to keep practicing not giving a fuck and I think you have to stay busy because that's like one thing that I found has really helped like I don't have time to think about what people are saying about me on Amazon like I literally do not have time in the day to go on my Amazon there was a time when I did and it was a very bad time because I was focusing so much on what everybody else was saying about me and like what is this review or like what is this person like in my neighborhood gossiping about me to their cousin or their friend like I just I'm so busy right now creating things and I'm always on like a path of like creating new things for myself and creating opportunities that I just don't have the time so I think we were talking about progress at the bar we had a glass of champagne before this (laughs) we're talking about progress and how Tony Robbins says that you're depressed when you're not progressing yes what do you think about that I totally agree with that I think one of the cornerstones of happiness is really having something to look forward to and to understanding that like there's something even like like think about it in the most simplistic terms when you're working a nine-to-five that you hate and like Friday's on the horizon it's like a Thursday and you start to get that feeling and you're excited and like the weekend's coming and you're going to meet up with your friends it's the same thing in business like but almost like on steroids you know it's like when you know something exciting is happening you know that you're working towards goals you're happy and you're motivated and it's like a whole different thing and you're not thinking about what the people around you are saying because you just simply don't have the energy to do that so what would you tell someone that's listening that just is not feeling good they're not in a spot that they like they want to be somewhere else I think you have to just like keep on keeping on. I know it sounds so cliche and so like, I wish there was like more to it, but you just have to keep going. Like I'm coming into my 10th year of blogging, 10th year of what I'm doing, what I do. I know you're very like in the same timeline, like we've been doing this stuff for so long. And whenever people get frustrated, the first thing I ask them is like, how long have you been at this? And most people are like two months. I can't. Six or even months, like a year. A year. And I'm like, oh, you got a long way ahead. And like, I still recognize that I have so much more ahead of me. And like, I have like only like, I'm at the tip of the iceberg of what I want to do. And there's so many other wild, crazy things that I have planned. Enjoy the process. Enjoy it. If you can't enjoy the process, get out of it because it's, <sighs> it's a process and it only gets harder and it gets weirder and it gets more challenging and more frustrating and it just takes so much more out of you. So you got to make peace with the journey. People's models flip. They think if I like go on this long journey, if I go on it long enough and do the right thing on the journey, that one day I'll get to the end and be able to like get all the but stuff. What's the or end? Have all, exactly. Yeah. Or have all the experiences. They're not understanding that like you win when you appreciate the journey. Not there's, There is really no end. And if you're looking for that end, you're probably never going to be happy. Yes. And people get obsessed with like Instagram followers and am I verified and all this bullshit. And I'm like, who cares? Like, who cares? Like, I got the blue check mark on my Instagram. What did it do for me? Absolutely nothing. Changed nothing for me. Like, I have 
whatever followers now, I'm going to have a different amount of followers in six months from now. Like, what does that mean for who I am as a person? It does nothing for who I am. Like it makes no difference to me. The only difference is I'm reaching more people, which I'm happy about. But like, really like, why are people striving? Everyone's like obsessed with getting 10,000 followers now so they can have like the swipe up feature. Put it on your blog. Why are you depending on Instagram to have a swipe up? Like put it somewhere else, put it on your website. Like it does not fucking matter. Have you guys heard of experience stretching? No. No, what's that? It's, it's, it's not sexual, I promise. Well, it could be. Between this and guy code, I've heard no, enough so from you experience, today. Experience stretching is something I've been thinking about. It's like, okay, let me walk you through it. Like, imagine that you walk outside one day and you see the, like, the, the example that I heard is like, you see the most beautiful sunset in the world, mm-hmm. right? And you're looking at it. And I can't remember, I heard this on a podcast. It might have been through Kevin Rose's podcast. And it's like, okay, you see this beautiful sunset and you're like, wow, this is the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen. Life can't get any better than this. And then like a week goes by and you go out there and you see the same sunset, but maybe you have a glass of wine or let's, let's say a glass of champagne for this one. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this can't get any better. And then a month goes by and maybe like you're in like the south of France and you see the same sunset and you have the glass of champagne and a cigar. You're like, wow, this can never get any better. And then one step further, you see where I'm going here is like maybe you're on a yacht somewhere and you see the, sh- the, you're in the boat and you see the, the sunset and you have champagne and a cigar. And you're like, wow, life doesn't get any better. And then the next week you see the very first sunset that you saw the first time without any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're depressed mm-hmm. and you're upset. And it's something that you looked at in the past. Like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I'm so happy to now it actually upsets you. And so I think as a society, people have to get be, be careful, you know, as you're progressing and as you're getting these experiences, if you don't enjoy that process and you're just looking for the experiences, those experiences are always going to get stretched and you can always feel like you're going backwards. Whereas if you just enjoy the process along the way, you, you kind of de- uh, defend yourself against that. I love that. That's it's poetic. So true. It's very poetic. You should write a book on Amazon Create. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll do that. What's a book, resource, podcast you would recommend you live by? It could be anything. Big Magic is a book by Elizabeth Gilbert that I've I love that. and I've read it. I've listened to it on audiobook. It's amazing. Is it the blue in the yep. pink? It's like, the yeah, it's really pretty. Like yeah, and it's a book about creativity and it talks about how, you know, it's sort of this concept that like these creative ideas kind of float through the atmosphere and like if you're in the right time in the right place, you catch that idea. And if you don't do something with that idea, someone else is going to take it and do something with it. So it's kind of like it sort of helps you push past your fears of like, well, you know, is this idea part of me or is it something else? And I think related to what you're saying about the sunset, like experiences and success and happiness, they are not things that are like within us. Like we are, you're still who you are regardless of what's happening around you. And I think success is the same thing. Like just because you have a best-selling book or you have a top-rated podcast, that doesn't define you as a person. So I think this book is really good in terms of like creativity and realizing that like that book or whatever it is that you're creating is something outside of yourself and it's not who you are at the core and that's okay. Like you're still always going to be who you are and like whether or not something is taking off for you at the moment, it doesn't necessarily define you as a person. Love it. That makes sense. Any podcasts? I like Earn Your Happy by Lori Harder. Okay. I got one. No, I got to listen to that. It's a good one. Yeah. Okay. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because I have my own. So I'm really weird with that stuff like books too. I don't really read a lot because I write my own book. So I never want to take on somebody else's voice or something like that with blogging yeah I know what you're saying even Instagram like I don't really look around a lot and it's like it's weird because people are like well how do you get inspired but I get inspired by other stuff like music or fashion or like things that are totally outside of my industry because I feel like there's a fine line between being inspired and then like sort of absorbing someone else's stuff so I feel like I, I feel like that's really smart because I was thinking like 
if like, say I wanted to write a book, I feel like it may end up ruining reading for me, which I really love because I yeah, would be it constantly, will. It will. <laughs> yeah, you're constantly like judging the other work or like listening to other voices. Yeah. My publisher knows that I don't read my comps, which are like competitive titles. They're like, we'll read them for you. I don't read them. Like, I don't want to know. I don't even know what's out there right now. Like, I don't even know. Like my next book is about confidence. I don't even know what's out there about you're confidence. In your own lane. I'm what's in my own there? world, almost to a fault though. I do sometimes think to myself like shit like i should really kind of pay attention a little bit because i don't know what's going on what's well, interesting but it's because happier that way <laughs> there, we we talk to a lot of like aspiring influencers or bloggers and and you know i'd say honestly 80 percent of the conversation starts with like well i saw this person and they're doing this and it's working for them and then and i'm like and like the first thing i say is like tune it out and stop like understand what's going on understand what the possibilities are mm-hmm. but if you're just constantly looking at what all these people are doing you're t- you're confusing yourself it's like too much going on there's too much information firing for you to f- kind of sit down and figure out like okay who am i what am i about yeah i always say that it, that uh, th- like business is like building a custom margarita like you go to the bartender and you want to micromanage him and you make a margarita and you use the formula and the recipe. But then I'm going to be like, can I have a, like a half salted rim with grapefruit in it and maybe like a dash of bitters? Yeah. Like you, you can look at other people's formula and what's worked, but you have to add your dash of bitters, half salted rim and a grapefruit. And they're like, get out of the bar. Yeah, they're like, we hate you. <laughs> Where can everyone find you? Uh, so the champagnesdiet.com is my blog and then style your mind is my podcast. So everything's basically on my site. So. And I've been on your podcast before. Yes. So you guys will have to listen to that episode. Yes, that Our was podcast a great episode. is awesome. Instagram. Uh, at the champagne diet and talk about your Facebook community really quick. Cause it's incredible. Oh, so it's called the slave baby collective. It's a really cool group. It's just like friends. It's a friendship group. It's all about girl power and yeah, come join us. Just answer the questions. Cause we like field people out of there i know Pre- i gotta get three questions three questions i, I have three questions because i want to know that you're not like a weird spammer like i'm very protective of my girls it's like people are getting kicked out left and right i don't deal with any bullshit or any drama it's just like a fun place to connect i love it thank you so much for being on that was great thank you thank you for having me wait guys don't take off yet do you guys want a short email from me tipsy thursday is a quick email with lots of value that includes five secret tips from me favorite song of the week show book wellness tip random tips and tricks and lots of beauty tips obviously the email is super short straight to the point it's kind of like a tsc aperitif to check it out just go to theskinnyconfidential.com and click lauren everett's and then subscribe super easy just drop your email in and you will get the next one i hope you love it Secondly, always giveaway time to win a TSC meal plan. Simply tell me on my latest Instagram, your favorite part of this episode with Kara. And lastly, as always, if you rate and review the podcast, please, please, please screenshot it and email it to asklauren at theskinnyconfidential.com and we will send you my five top beauty hacks straight to your inbox. Thank you guys for your attention. We love you and we will see you later this week.